So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose on the end of the Skype line. And as I said, Sister Betty Baker and Sister Sarah O'Rourke have joined us here, uh, members of the Salesian Order. Uh, um, and they come here because Shane's got a few things he wants to chat about with them, uh, most, of, most of which is surrounded by a, a, a big celebration they've got happening this year, Shane. Do you want to start off with yeah. that? So a couple of weeks ago, people might remember, we had Father Dan Carl on from the Salesian Fathers, and they were coming to the end of their centenary year of their arrival in Ireland. And as it happens, um, the good... Also, uh, starting their celebrations. Isn't that the case, Sarah? That's correct, uh, Shane. And ye have been very busy kind of uh, rattling through the attics and through the archives, trying to figure out what was happening 100 years ago, I understand. And you had the delightful task of pulling something together to kind of mark the occasion. That's true, but I suppose we were fortunate in that Sister Noel Costello in the 1980s had begun researching some of this herself. And thankfully, she recorded... Uh, past pupil Lizzie Nolan and we've got a fair amount of information from her memories and she also interviewed one of the pioneers of the group who arrived in 1920. Oh really? Oh wow. So in terms of I suppose so what you're looking at is the 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 Salesian sisters or what is your proper title Sarah your official title? Daughters of Mary Help of Christians but we're known as the Salesian sisters. As the Salesian sisters. So how or where or why did the Salesian sisters end up in Limerick? Well in Ireland and actually ended up in Limerick. Well in Limerick it's very easy to put it together because there was a connection with Don Bosco and a cleric from the Limerick Diocese Dennis okay. Hallinan was in Rome studying to be a priest, but as a cleric, he actually met Don Bosco. And Lizzie Nolan, whom I've referred to already, one of the first pupils of the Salesian Sisters in Ireland, she tells it in her own way, and I'll just quote from what she says. He, Dennis Hallinan, was in Rome. He wasn't even ordained at the time. He was only a cleric. He heard about the Salesian Order and he said he'd go up to see about it. So he went up, and who did he meet but Don Bosco? And Don Bosco says, You're Dennis Hallinan from Limerick. And that's what happened. Dennis wanted to stay with Don Bosco, it said, but Don Bosco said to him, No, go back, and you'll do more for me by returning to Ireland. So Dennis (coughs) Hallinan did return to Ireland, worked in the diocese. He made efforts to try and bring the Salesians to Limerick, but he failed because Bishop O'Dwyer would have no more, wouldn't hear about it. And when Bishop O'Dwyer died in 1917, it was Dennis Hallinan who replaced him as bishop. So he Uh found himself in a position to provide the opening for the Salesians to work in Limerick. I see. That was that was that was that worked out well for Don Bosco and the team. It certainly did. So that so he was made bishop in in nineteen nineteen seventeen after nineteen eighteen nineteen eighteen. Yes. That was after Edward O'Dwyer. That's correct. The man Edward O'Dwyer uh, was the man that commit, that gave out to Maxwell in nineteen sixteen. But in terms of um, 
So what what happens then? Like, so he asked the Salishians to send send the, the 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 fathers, or he went to the sisters first, or which way did it work out? Well, basically, at the time there were some. I we've to look to the English province at this time, and some of the Irish Salishians in England were anxious to come to Ireland, and when the rector major of the Salishians visited England in 1913. He actually spoke to one of the Irish Salesians, Father Sutherland, and asked him to have a look about going to Ireland. Now, Father Sutherland himself had no intention of coming to Ireland because he wanted to go to South America. But he remembered Father Alvarez's wishes and he decided to look into it, etc., etc. And there was a bit of chewing and froing and because of the war and all that type of thing going on. But eventually, with the assistance of his own brother, who was a a lawyer for the Land Commission, they eventually secured the purchase of Copswood out in Palace Kenry. But as he was working towards the purchase of Copswood, he also took an interest in working towards a foundation for the Salesian Sisters. And this paved the way to make it possible for the Salesian Sisters, who were living in England, to extend their work across the Irish Sea. And even though at the time we had three Irish sisters in England, uh, one sister, Margaret Fitzgerald from Wexford, was the first person to enter in 1912. And then we had two sisters from the north of Ireland, Sister Mary Keane and Sister Mary Rehill. But none of the three of those came in the first four pioneers. The first four pioneers actually were three Italians and an English sister who was born of Irish parents. So it was a daunting enterprise for, in a sense, four foreigners, three Italians and one English, some with limited knowledge of the language and little training, the aftermath of World War I, and they were facing into the heart of a city caught up in the throes of the national struggle for independence And here they were coming to take on a challenging mission of education among some of the poorest and deprived in the city of Limerick at that time. That's uh, that's quite an entry into the uh, into an Irish context, because of course it came right in the middle of the War of Independence and then straight into the Civil War. Yes. Um, So for for hardy pioneers, we can definitely say. Yes. So I suppose where did they set up shop, and I suppose what? was, I suppose, what was their first and primary focus and how did it go for them? I suppose um, there was difficulty in getting a property for them. So they moved into St. Isis in Thomas Street, which was leased by the diocese at the time. And their first mission there was to establish a night class for the factory girls. So that was, you know, straight into education. And then, uh, of course, that very much links in, I suppose, with, if you like, the overall um, Salesian charism um, in terms of trying to, uh, to for, for in terms of education and working with young people. Absolutely. And as well as that, some of the girls who worked in businesses used to go for classes in embroidery and sewing and that type of thing. And we have a connection Deborah Geraghty in Cahardavon, so well known for her um, efforts to 
promote liturgy and projects re- regarding liturgy and handiwork in Cahar Devon, her aunt actually went as one of those students for, um, when she was working in town. Ah, so yes. yeah. connections, connections within connections. Absolutely, yes. So in terms of then, that was kind of night classes and, and if you like, vocational training. I suppose, when or what, what was the next steps or did, did they move into um, actual formal education? And as well as that, I suppose, then what way was it going in terms of no, vocations and women entering the order? Well, basically, then there was another community founded within months of arriving in uh, St. Itis, Richmond House. And here again, it was education was key, but it uh, ended up, say, subjects like music classes and, say, sewing, embroidery, that type of domestic economy uh, type of subjects. Mm -hmm. Because uh, the sisters were not permitted to establish formal education classes because of the need at the time was seen to be fulfilled by other religious in the city. They must have found that a bit tough. Well, I suppose they were happy enough to be in Limerick and they knew that maybe they would progress slowly and eventually they would have formal education centres. So... um... I suppose, what would have been the next, if you like, the next big kind of step or event from a kind of the from a, the chain, the history chain? I suppose uh, uh, the foundation of Fernbank in 1924. But even though they uh, had moved to Fernbank and had a private school there, uh, it wasn't until 1937 that uh, Fernbank was granted status by the Department of Education. So things do move slowly. Oh, very slowly. Sorry, slight. 1947. I'm confusing my dates there. For- 47? Yes, my God, they yes. came in 1920. They got it in 1924. Yeah, the wheels of bureaucracy definitely they, move they, slowly. They move slowly, yes, indeed. Very slowly. So I suppose over the years, Fern back then, it was, a, it was a primary school and a secondary school? That's correct. So I'm going to throw a random question at you, Sarah. Do you have any idea how many students you had before the school was closed? I wouldn't have a notion of that. But I suppose maybe even linking back to um, one of the pupils, one of the first pupils in the, in the school in, 19, for, in the 1940s, Anne Windrum who later became a teacher in Cahardavon School. She has a connection as well in that the War of Independence, as we've already said, you know, that's what the sisters faced into. And the one week in July 1921, there was a lot of fighting going on. And Father Sutherland, who was always very considerate of the sisters, was concerned for their safety. And he... Uh, ensured that they were taken out to a place near Palace Kenry called Dremore Castle and the Salesians provided for the sisters in uh, Dremore Castle at the time. Now, Anne Windrum's grandmother actually got shot during that week and she died as a result of her injuries in St John's Hospital. And it's just maybe, it brings it more, I suppose, to life to see what the sisters actually, how brave and courageous they were. And 
at one stage, they even wondered if they'd be able to continue because of the political disturbances. Mm. And it was really courage. And they had deep faith in that um, they had come here for a reason. Uh, and at this stage, I suppose, um, how many sisters, I suppose, are we talking about? And are they Irish or it's still the pioneers or where where are they from? Uh we're talking at about seven at this particular stage because three more would have come in the November. And one of those was an Irish sister, Sister Mary Keane. But the other two were Italian. OK, so the, the Italian connection was still, very, was still very quite strong. strong. Yes. And at this stage, just um, I suppose at this stage, obviously, Don Bosco is dead. What about your own foundress? Has she died at this stage? She has. She had actually right. died before Don Bosco. She died in 1881. Ah, okay, okay. So, in terms of, um, I suppose, for, so we're up to 1947-ish, uh, when formal recognition is granted by the Department of Education. So, I suppose from there, what way did the Ministry for the Salesian Sisters develop in in Limerick and in Ireland? Well, I suppose uh, we moved maybe into schools in other areas, particularly in Dublin a number of sisters would have gone on the missions. And I think it's interesting to note that when the sisters were um, coming to Ireland, the thinking behind it for, say, the leadership t- team in Rome was that uh, we would get English-speaking vocations, particularly for the missions in China. Okay. So the missionary thrust was important from the beginning as well. There was a big Ireland. focus on China, of course, at that time, because yes. you had the, the Columbans f- were founded at that stage to go to the Far East, and the Kiltegans had a strong interest in it as well. Um, in ter- so the idea of generate English-speaking vocations for, for, for the missions. In terms of... Um, so it, it, was, it was still school... Was it formal schools in Dublin, or was it more vocational training again? In Dublin, it was going into schools that were, um, I suppose, parish schools more than our own schools. Okay. As teachers, support, that kind of thing. Yes. Okay. So in terms of, um, so I presume then kind of the focus for the congregation kind of, you know, in the... 60s, 50s and 60s was still very much through the schooling system so people would have had their experience of the sisters mainly in the classroom Yes, in Ireland Oh, why? What else? Would, oh, well, well, no, in, in other places maybe the education was seen more in youth centres and things like that Okay Yeah, But in Ireland the, while the youth centres or what we used to call oratories or clubs was very, very important many people would remember the sisters from the classroom from the classroom. Now, you mentioned that there was a hope to go for the missions. Did that actually materialise? Did Irish sisters go on the missions? And if so, which countries? They went to various countries, particularly um, South Africa. Okay. And was are, is there a connection still with Zambia? Yes, there is indeed. And some of the V-Days, the volunteers, still continue to go there. Okay. Um <coughs> In terms of, I suppose, coming up then towards the, you know, the 1980s and 1990s, I suppose what the, the, the congregation, was it ever a very big congregation in Ireland or has it always kind of faced challenges in terms of vocations? Well, at the moment we have 64 sisters in Ireland. We uh-huh. would have, I suppose, had about over 100 
maybe 20 years ago. And in terms of like, you know, obviously the congregation is a little bit smaller, so you're not going to have the same type of coverage in terms of schools. Uh, what types of ministries is are the sisters involved in kind of today? I suppose people see their ministry nowadays more of as a presence in communities, parish communities. We're still involved in education. Some sisters are still teaching in school. Some are in chaplaincies. Various aspects of spirituality work is still continuing. Okay. Um, now, just Sarah, we, we just might, in terms of just go through the history, we might just leave it there for a moment. So, Betty, um, you're you're celebrating. Obviously, you're marking this centenary this year. So, I'm presuming. Uh, maybe there's a couple of occasions that might be coming up in terms of just events throughout the year. Yes, uh, in actual fact, we're beginning one of them today, the 8th of December, and it's a combined celebration between ourselves and the Salesian Fathers. Uh, They are ending their centenary celebrations today and we're commencing ours with a ceremony, uh, a Eucharist in Milford Church, Our Lady Help of Christians Church, at 3 o'clock. Okay. And... That's the combined celebration, uh, just to mark the occasion, the ending, the ending of one and the beginning of the other. That's a nice touch to it, I have to say. So then, um, I know Sarah has been very busy delving through the archives, and the fruits of her labour are due to be published sometime in 2020. That's right. Sarah and Noel have been working very hard on that particular uh, time of history. And we will have a launch of that uh, publication on the 28th of February. And it's going to be held in um, St. Ita's House, which, we now, which is now Halle Eda, Conran, Nguelga and Thomas Street. And it's, it's very significant for us to be returning to the house that the sisters first lived in. And we've got a great welcome from um, the people in Conran, Nguelga, where we'll be launching the history on that evening. And then in terms of, I suppose, um, you know, you, the community has lived in different places throughout mm-hmm. Ireland. Um, are, are you going to reconnect with old neighbours or what, what's the plan? Yes, we have reconnected in some ways already because we have a centenary group in place uh, for the past 18 months. And uh, we have drawn people from some of the places we already have been in and some of the places where we are no longer so, for example, uh, in a place where we were in Brosnan, a very beautiful place near Bar in County Offaly, uh, we're having a reunion there for past pupils uh, towards the end of March. And we were also in Cahir Khan. Um, you mentioned earlier with Sarah about the Columbans, and the Columbans lived in Cahir Khan before us. So, uh, but Cahir Khan closed a number of years ago. But there's a reunion happening there the end of May. So and it's local uh, past pupils from those two areas who are actually organising those events, which we're actually looking forward to very much. And catching up and seeing what they what they've become they've they've become. Um, Absolutely. Now, in terms of kind of May and June, is renting lined up for the calendars next year? Yeah, in actual fact, on the twenty fourth of May, which is the feast of Mary, Help of Christians. Uh, we're having a family day in Cahardavon. Now, in Cahardavon, we have a primary school and we also have a house and uh, the church is actually quite near uh, both. And we're having a family day in that particular area with mass beginning at 12 o'clock. 
Uh, we'll have food and activities between two and four. And at five o'clock, we're having a concert in the parish church. So we hope that that will be a great afternoon of activities and reunion for, for families. And we're delighted particularly to have it in Cahardavon because we've lived there for many years and have lots of community connections there. So it, it'll be a good community event as well. Now, in terms of, I suppose, going back to the, if you, well, not so much the mother house, but the main house, the Fern Bank, mm-hmm. uh, is there anything planned to mark the, uh, mark the occasion? Well, now, that'll be among one of the local events. They haven't finally decided on it, but in the month of June, there will be an official uh, ceremony to close Fern Bank House because uh, we're actually leaving that house. It has already been sold and... To mark the occasion, there will be a ceremony there. The details, which aren't worked out yet, but uh, we'll be inviting back friends and uh, past members and, and so on to celebrate that occasion. That will be in June. But before we have that one, actually in June, in middle of June, we're having a centenary Camino. Um, and that will retrace the footsteps of the sisters' early years in Limerick. We'll be beginning at Conor na Gaelge Thomas Street and then we'll go to St. Michael's Church, which were, was their parish church at the time where the sisters worshipped. And moving on then to Richmond House, which would be on the South Circular Road, and then over to Fernbank. And um, Sarah has been working on that and she approximates, even though it's only four stops, uh, it'll take about an hour and a half to two hours. So we hope that that will be a good local event as well. OK. Mm. Um <clears throat> Now, in terms of, um, I suppose, reconnecting, if you like, with um, your your the, the congregation's roots in Turin, you're planning to pay a visit to Turin in the autumn. Yes, we're hoping to have a pilgrimage to Turin in September, um, probably a five-night um, trip uh, that will combine some uh, visiting of significant places like Turin and the birthplace of Mary Mazzarello and... Um, have a bit of a some diversion as well. So, yes, we're looking forward to that. The details aren't worked out because we're still waiting for costs for January, but uh, that will happen in September. And just in terms of that, in terms of the pilgrimage, I presume that's open to you know past pupils and associates. And it is, you know. but it'll be a limited number. We think of about fifty. Okay. So it'll be first come, first served when it comes to that stage. Well, now that's fair enough. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. And then I suppose in November, uh, obviously, it's to connect with the sisters that have um, that have died and passed on. You're having a little ceremony in November as well. We have a, a ceremony of remembrance of our deceased sisters in November, and that's taking place in Cahardavon. And uh, maybe at this stage, it's just um, significant to remind ourselves, Sister Bridget Kennedy, who many people will know, uh, originally from... Um, Kildaimo, I think, uh, passed away yesterday very peacefully and we want to remember her too at this time. And um, then the end of that month as well, we are moving towards the end of the centenary. So we're having a closure with an event in the Radisson Hotel to which we'll invite uh, staffs and co-workers and friends and so on. And we'll have an afternoon of celebration uh, there uh, to close the centenary year. And um, I'd just like to mention as well that uh, currently at print we have our centenary commemorative calendar and that will be distributed uh, today to some places and then next week. And at the end of um, 2020 we'll have our centenary commemorative book 
uh, for distribution as well. Um, now, I suppose Centenary is very much um, looking back and remembering roots and where you know where the congregation has been and its successes and achievements uh, in in its 100 years. But I suppose Sarah and Betty, one of the other questions I suppose we asked the Salesian fathers is: it's also a time to look forward. And I suppose one of the questions would be: where does the congregation see itself, either? in Ireland or more globally in terms of its in terms of going forward and carrying forward the, that particular Salesian charism but also it, the Salesian charism as interpreted by Mary Mazzarella Well I suppose the Salesian charism is something that well my own conviction is we carry it as individuals mm-hmm. it's it's a charism that's alive within each one of us so wherever we are or whatever we're doing um, that it lives on in us it lives on in me and that that passes on, particularly, I think, in our ethos, which is really around how we relate with people and how we connect with people. Um, I suppose we have entered a very different time in, in Ireland and and in Western Europe as well. And um, works that we would have begun very formally, I suppose, come to a conclusion and the change. And we have to be aware of what are the significant signs that are around us and what are the needs that we can respond to? And a lot of those needs, I think, today are around um, trying to to accompany people and be with people as a search for a spirituality to live through maybe a difficult time for us, particularly in Ireland, where it is difficult to, um, to actually profess our faith publicly. And uh, there is that hold I mentioned to it. So I think the emphasis more on a kind of an accompaniment and a spiritual accompaniment, being with people, uh, being good neighbours, uh, being good volunteers and working alongside people who've taken on responsibility in their own places. OK, well, that's that's I tell you this much, that's 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 a that's a, a manifesto of, of hard work, if nothing else, uh, continuing a great tradition that the, the sisters have had in Limerick over a centenary at this stage, I suppose, 100 years. Um, now, Betty, in terms of if people are listening this morning that might have had connections with the sisters over the years and want to find out when things are on, because there's a lot of there was a lot of things there, a lot of dates we mentioned. And just to see what's going on or, or local events that might be organized that maybe mightn't be organized as of today. Where can they find out more information? Yes, uh, we have a website uh, net, and we also have a Facebook page for this particular year, Salesian Sisters 100 Years in Ireland and uh, th- these two places will be particularly updated after today. Okay. Uh, so people will be able to find more information in those sources. So that, 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 that Facebook page again is Salesian Sisters. Sisters War- 100 Years in Ireland. In Ireland. Okay. And the, the website is your is your national website. Yes. And okay. regarding the Facebook, we would love people to engage with it and, and to feed it mm. uh, with uh, maybe memories and photographs and so on. Uh, just well, no, keep it could, alive could, for the year. That could be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep away from the dangerous part. <laughs> very good, very good. Okay, so John, to conclude this part of the programme, I understand that there is a piece of music lined up. There is. Sister Sister Sarah um, chose one from one of the CDs she has here. Sister Sarah, would you like to introduce that for It's us? a hymn to St Mary Mazzarello, who was the co-foundress with Don Bosco of the Salesian Sisters. And this is entitled... To St Mary Mazzarello. <laughs> 